0: Hello, guys, and welcome to my podcast, Becky on Tour, about my semester abroad in Raleigh, North Carolina, in the United States. My name is Becky, and I'm your reliable source into the exciting world of American college life. So if that sounds like something you'd be interested in, stay tuned. Hello hello guys! Today we have a special guest, Sandy Sullivan, actress and musical performer who I met at the premiere of the theater production Misery. Sadly, performances ended last week, but I have invited Sandy here to chat from the inside about her acting and musical career, why she chose it and what she loves most about it. Listen up and enjoy! To start out this interview, could you please introduce yourself,
1: stating your name, your pronouns, your current job, and your dream job growing up? Absolutely. So I am Sandy Sullivan, Sandy with an I, she, her. I work for the state of North Carolina at the Alcoholic Beverage Control Commission, the ABC. So we run all um, the alcoholic beverage sales in North Carolina, and we report directly to Governor Cooper. And uh, growing up, I had two dream jobs. So I wanted to be either an actor or a veterinarian, but I couldn't make up my mind. So um, yeah, that was it.
0: Thank you. Thank you so much. So you kind of always wanted to be an actress.
1: You right? did. I always was an actress. <laughs>
0: I think I started pretty young, so probably around eight or nine years old. Wow. That's, that's a very young age. So what caused you to pursue an acting career?
1: I actually got interested in that uh, because of my grandfather. My maternal grandfather, he was Italian, and he was really into musicals, and he had this, you won't know what this is, you're too young, but he had one of these station wagons that had wood paneling down the sides, and at the time, we didn't even have cassettes. We had eight-track tape player, so you're going to have to Google that so you can see what they look like, but there were these giant tapes, you know, that he would play, and he had all the Broadway musicals, you know, My Fair Lady, and Camelot, and Man of La Mancha, and Sound of Music, and... he he would let me pick a tape. We would go to the drugstore and get candy and he would let me pick a tape. And I learned all the words to all the musicals when I was very, very young. And I would just, it was just really fond memories of driving around with my grandfather and he would tap his law school ring, you know, on the steering wheel and we would sing all the musicals. And that's, I think, what got me first interested in it.
0: Could you tell me a little bit about the day-to-day life of an actress or of a, a singer in general in the musical profession?
1: Sure. And again, like I have done... Acting professionally, but that's not my career. I mean, I chose to pursue it as an avocation rather than a vocation. And we'll get to why I did that later. But um, I would have loved to have done this full time, but it's just for the majority of people, it's not a very st- stable and steady source of income. And I wanted health insurance and, you know, um, a more sort of stable uh, living arrangement. And so I chose not to do it that way. But day to day, when, you know, I'm involved in a show, Uh, it involves a lot of help, honestly. I mean, because I also have a full-time job and I'm doing this in addition to my full-time job. It takes a lot of support. So, you know, I have to have someone to take care of my dog and I have people that run errands for me, if you can believe that. I'm like so lucky that I have this community that supports me. But it involves a lot of, uh, you know, stretching, meditation, getting focused, doing vocal exercises, uh, running lines, doing speed throughs. Uh, Just in general, you know, especially if it's a performance day, sort of reinforcing the things that we need to do to to get the best performance that we can.
0: Yeah, that makes sense. What is the thing you love
1: most about this job? The audience reactions. Um, It's so incredibly satisfying to be able to create something and to connect with that live audience and to have them experience it with you and to get that instant feedback from them. Um, and when people, I mean, people reach out to me and they tell me how affected they were by it. That's really, really satisfying.
0: Yeah. That makes sense. You also were a musical singer. Did you do like a training for that? Did you go to school for that?
1: I did. Uh, so I started taking voice lessons. I don't know when I was about 12 or 13 and, uh, my voice teacher, I, I wanted to belt. I wanted immediately to start singing like belty show tunes and she wouldn't let me do it. So she trained me as a classical soprano. And actually, I need to thank her for that because she taught me the proper technique for singing so that when I did start belting, I didn't start belting until I was in my 20s. Some kids start belting when they're 11, 12 years old and they can blow their voices out if they don't do it right. So um, to really, you know, she, she protected my voice and I was a classically trained singer. So I can sing legitimate soprano, but I can also, you know, be a Broadway belter. So
0: could you work in the opera as well? Theoretically, Mm
1: -hmm. yes, I could.
0: Have you ever thought about doing that?
1: No. And the reason is I I have a a very, very close friend who's an opera singer who sang with the North Carolina Opera uh, for years. We artsy types tend to stick around each other because we kind of get each other. But she is an excellent singer, but she grew tired of being in the opera because she said her entire life became about her voice and protecting that instrument. And so she felt like she couldn't really live because everything was about trying to protect that voice. So, you know, you can't, you can't do the fun things that other people do. You can't go, you know, scream at hockey games. And, you know, I would never smoke, but you can't go smoke a cigarette. You can't, you know, throw back three Roman and cokes or whatever you want to do and go sing an opera the next day. So you have to nurture it and take care of it like the precious instrument that it is. And if you're doing opera, that's all you can do is protect that voice.
0: Yeah, that makes sense. But you have done a musical before.
1: I have done many musicals.
0: Can you tell me a little bit about that? What is that like, being in a musical performance?
1: Well, I think it's, um, in some ways, it's even more challenging than doing straight theater, right? Because you've got to, in addition to, you know, learning the script and learning your movement, your blocking, you've got to learn all the music. You've got to get in tune with an orchestra. Hopefully, it's a live orchestra. You know, sometimes they want to do tracks now and I don't think singers generally like to sing with tracks. We like live music. So um, I think it's even more challenging because there's, the learning curve is higher. You've got so much more material to learn, but it's incredibly satisfying.
0: What is the favorite musical that you performed?
1: Well, I was actually in Man of La Mancha, which is one of my favorites, and played Aldonza. If you don't know it, it's based on the book uh, Don Quixote, uh, and it's the musical based on that book by Miguel de Cervantes.
0: Is it in English? or?
1: I think originally it was in Spanish, but the, the, musical, the musical I did was in English, yes. Okay. okay, that is so cool.
0: Do you think, that is a very, very personal question, because I've always been considering going to acting school, but do you think it is necessary to be a good actress to go to acting school?
1: No. Uh, talent is something that you can't teach. You either have it or you don't have it. Technique is something that you can teach, though. And so I do believe that acting school, you know, studying theater, studying is going to give you a good foundation and the fundamentals to be a good performer. I think as far as natural talent goes, people either have it or they don't. But I did get a degree in theater, um, and I went to a small liberal arts college in Providence, Rhode Island, that had an excellent uh, reputation for arts education. And... I was, when I went in and when I came out, it was a world of difference. You know, I took movement. I took vocal technique. I learned how to speak better. You know, I learned all about movement for the actor. I learned how to do my own makeup. I learned how to build sets. I learned how to work in a costume shop. I learned how to do a wig. I learned how to do old age makeup, how to make up formulas for blood. I mean, all of the things that you think, you know, you just don't think about. And, um... So I absolutely don't think it's essential, but it can't hurt.
0: And would you say there's a difference between um, acting in theater or in film with regards to do you have to go to acting school for theater, but maybe not for film?
1: With school, as far as school goes, I can't really say, but it's a world of difference doing those two different things. And that's why I think a lot of film actors have a really hard time. You know, you'll, you'll see a lot of movie stars, right? Who are like really famous and they're really great on screen. And they get brought into a Broadway show because they lend a name to it, right? So they're going to help sell it. And then they, their reviews, the critics pan them because they don't know anything about acting in the theater. It's two completely different things. Completely different things. And I haven't done a lot of film work, but I have done, I haven't done any um, movie work, but I have done some TV work and some industrials and commercials and things like that. Acting for film is extremely subtle it's very very subtle and in the theater everything has to be broader and bigger and projecting because you have to you have to project everything that's happening off of that stage and into the audience whereas if you're doing it on film the camera is right up in your face and it's going to capture every micro gesture so things can be a lot more subtle so it's two very different techniques now when i was in theater school i took a class called acting for the tv soap opera just to learn about camera angles and, you know, but I prefer being on the stage because it's really about that feedback from the audience that is so, I don't know, it just pumps you up. I can't explain it.
0: That is very true. Can you tell me about any past theater productions that you particularly
1: enjoyed? There are so many, but it's interesting that you say that because I have this uh history, it's kind of become a joke, of playing these really strong... Female characters that have mental illness is the polite way to put it. Um, they're kind of crazy, but we'll call it mental illness. And um, so I've had a few favorites that fall into that genre. And, you know, I just closed um, Misery at Raleigh Little Theater, which, of course, was based on the Stephen King novel and the film. The, uh, William Goldman wrote the screenplay for it, and then he also wrote the play. So that was one such character, and I have to tell you that that one was pretty special, and you came to see it, as I recall, so um, I'm really grateful that you got to see that. But um, 10 years ago, I was actually in another show based on Stephen King, and it was Carrie. Carrie the Musical, which I didn't even know existed, and uh, the music from it is fabulous, so you should look it up, but uh, I played uh, Margaret White, who is Carrie's religious zealot mentally ill mother and that was it was in a small theater called NRACT North Raleigh Arts and Creative Theater up in uh, northwest Raleigh and it was an unbelievable production really really special and then okay I know you're young but have you heard of the Rocky Horror Picture Show yes have you seen it no shame on you okay (laughs) it is here They've refurbished the Rialto Theater. You must go see it.
0: It's in Raleigh? It is. Of course it is.
1: Yeah, I'm definitely going to see it. Then. It's at, yeah, it's at the Rialto. It's on, you know, on screen, right? But a lot of times they have the actors acting it out in the in the theater. Okay. But I did the Rocky Horror Show, which is the musical, the theater production based on the movie. Uh, and I played Magenta, the maid. Okay. So that one was pretty special too.
0: Okay, can you tell me why? Is it just people cast you for
1: that role or do you choose them? It seems I have a type, doesn't it? Um, (laughs) Naturally, I gravitate toward them because I just love kick ass women. But you know, kick ass strong women, female characters. But I also am that person. And so I identify, you know, I'm such a strong, independent personality. And so I identify with those characters. And so that's what I go after, too. Uh, So it's probably a little bit of both. That makes sense. But is it difficult to kind of prepare for these roles? I wouldn't say it's difficult, but it does require work. I mean, if you go in unprepared, you're just not going to present as well. And each audition is different. You know, some directors want to see pre, 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 what is the, what is the word I'm looking for here? They want to see a prepared monologue. So they want you to come in with Material that you've already memorized and they want you to just perform it for them And then when you come to if you get a callback and they bring you in for a callback audition Then they may have you read sides from the script other directors don't want to see that they want to see you do Improvisation they want to throw scenarios at you and see what you'll come up with other directors want to just give you parts of The script and have you read from it or they might have you do theater exercises or different kinds of games to see how you interact in a group or an ensemble so Typically they will tell you what they plan on doing and you just have to prepare for it accordingly.
0: What do you prefer? What kind of audition?
1: I like cold readings the best because I like to be, they call it cold readings, right? I will never do a cold reading. I'm using my air quotes right here. You can't see that. But if I'm going into a cold reading from the script, I'm going to have read that script multiple times. And if I have a particular role, I'm going to have read it and I'm going to have read it out loud with other people and really not memorized it but really familiarized with with myself, with the script, with the language, and made some choices about where I would like to go with the character.
0: That is very smart, because even if directors say they don't want you to prepare, they really do. That's how I feel.
1: I would never walk into an an audition cold and unprepared, even if they call it a cold reading, ever. Because it's a very
0: competitive industry. It is.
1: It's extremely competitive, which is one of the reasons why there are so few people that make a living at it. I mean, and even my friends that work as professional actors that are in Actors Equity Association or they're in SAG-AFTRA, and they are, you know, film actors. They 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 sort of live a piecemeal existence, if you will. So they have to maybe they are they teach classes, and they coach for auditions. And they do makeup and they do hair or they help with costumes or they clean houses or they, you know, so they sort of piece together a living to be actors. And they've been at this for years and they're very, very good. Very few people make big money at it. And a lot of people that I know that do it, they travel around from city to city doing regional theater and they get paid, but they don't make a ton of money. And I just, it's not that I make a ton of money in what I do either, but I wanted a more stable existence than that. I wanted health insurance. I wanted an apartment. You have to develop a really thick skin if you're going to make a living at it because you are going to hear no 99% of the time and maybe even higher than that, no matter how good you are.
0: Yeah, that makes sense. What do you think makes a really good actor
1: or actress? Oh gosh. Um, I think it's a combination of talent studying technique different types of technique and dedication to the you hear people talk about the craft and it always sounds kind of pretentious and so i hate to use it but but it is a craft and the more that you can learn about it and the more you can learn about different techniques the better you can become at it but it is a lot of hard work to be good at it and you have to be really dedicated and i think people don't always understand that
0: yeah, I think people think that actors, that's just a job you just appear on stage and that's it. I don't know your experience about that, but that's just my experience. What I've heard when I talk to people telling them that I act.
1: Well, I, I think I might have told you the first time we met that I originally majored in electrical engineering here at NC State. Yes. I didn't want to major in engineering. I, I actually have the brain of a mathematician, but the heart and the soul of an actor. So I thought, well, the practical job would be to study math and become you know, a math professor. But I was pushed very strongly um, by my father to study engineering because they didn't have a lot of women in engineering at the time, and he thought that that would be the best way that I could make money, which was the most important thing to him. And I wound up hating engineering, which is not surprising given my you know, heart and my personality. And I wound up dropping out and going and studying theater. And I got a degree in theater with a minor in communications, and I studied voice. And I graduated magna cum laude from Rhode Island College. And when I did, and my parents were at my graduation, this is a true story. And I said, well, dad, you know, magna cum laude, not bad, right? And he said, yeah, but you didn't go to real school. You went to pretend school. I've never forgotten that. So I think that sometimes that's the way people view the arts. They're very dismissive of it as it as if it isn't as important as science or math or you know becoming a lawyer or a doctor but you know i i think it's just as important it is the cultural enrichment is just as important and um so you know i took i took that path
0: yes And I'm really glad that you did because you can be an inspiration to my listeners and to me, of course. Oh, well, thank you. That's kind of you to say that. You're welcome. That was actually my next question. You said you traveled to Europe as well. Did you see any differences with regard to how the audience responded to you?
1: I did, actually. I, um... We had wonderful audiences wherever we traveled. So we talked about this a little bit in advance. So I traveled with a, a multicultural international organization called Up With People. There is an international office, but it is headquartered in Denver, Colorado. When I traveled, it was headquartered in Tucson, Arizona. And um, it was a, you know, a, we put on a, a large scale uh, musical dance uh cabaret style show for lack of a better term it wasn't really cabaret style but in other words we didn't it didn't have a script it had some like little vignettes and scenes but it was mostly just a show with music and we traveled i was in europe for about four and a half months and one of the things that i noticed was european audiences in general and of course i we were only in our 20s when we were traveling and so a lot of our audiences were it was a mix of ages but I found that the European audiences were even more enthusiastic and more receptive to us than the American audiences were. And we had great audiences in this country too, but because the people that come to Up With People shows are generally enthusiastic anyway because they know about the organization and they're really there to have a good time and just be uplifted and just, you know, feel good about people and connect with people. But the European audiences were just, they just ate it up. Like they treated us like we were rock stars, which was really kind of silly, but yeah. But no, it was great. It was... I really enjoyed being able to have that experience of traveling in Europe.
0: And where exactly did you travel?
1: I was in um, Germany and Switzerland and Sweden and Estonia. Wow. Yeah, in fact, uh, this was 1991. And I'm trying to think exactly when it was. Um, It was sometime in September, I think. And so we literally went, we went into Tallinn in Estonia just a few weeks after the coup, after they had gotten their independence from USSR. And so when we drove into the capital, there were these giant boulders in the streets. And I said, what in the world, you know, and the one of the local people told us that they had put those giant boulders in the streets to try to keep Russian tanks from coming into the city. My mind was just blown. I mean, I had never seen anything like it in my life. That was such an amazing experience. we also went to Finland. So yeah, Finland, Sweden, Germany, Switzerland, and Estonia. But Finland, um, we didn't actually go to mainland Finland. We went to this little island called Åland, which is off the coast of Finland. And it's actually, they speak Swedish, but they're part of Finland. It was a really neat little place. But yeah, so technically I went to Finland too.
0: So it was actually more fun to perform in Europe than it was in the United
1: States. I don't know if it was more fun, but it just, it was just different you know the audiences were just so enthusiastic like and the, and the kids that came to the shows i say kids they were probably i don't know teens 20s but they just i don't know they they really did they it was like they acted like we were rock stars which of course we weren't but it was it, it just it felt great you know yeah
0: it makes sense like your art being valued it's just, a- yeah,
1: you felt appreciated. Like we felt, I felt seen, you know, that wasn't where we used then, but I felt seen, you know? So one of the big things we did when we were over in Europe, we were performed at the Olympic soccer stadium in Munich uh, at one of the, oh, I don't know, one of the games, like in between the periods. Is that what you call them in soccer? I'm so bad about that. Uh,
0: yeah. Okay. Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> yeah.
1: I don't, I don't follow a lot of um, soccer, but yeah. So we performed there.
0: That is so cool. Okay. So my last question or, Almost last question would actually be, what advice would you give someone like a a young actress or a young actor that wants to start up in the business?
1: Develop a very thick skin early on. Be ready to take a lot of rejection and don't take it personally. And don't let that rejection, this is so hard to do and I still struggle to do it, right? Because when you get rejected over and over and over again and you start to think, am I really any good at this? Maybe I'm just terrible. But if you're really going to go into it, you better get used to it because it's going to happen a lot. And eventually, if you keep studying and you keep working on things, you might hit it just right. So develop a thick skin, work hard, learn as much as you can about it, and save a lot of money because you're going to need it.
0: And what would you say about networking? I think that's important.
1: I do think it's extremely important. It's one thing I'm terrible at. I can do it. (laughs) I can talk to people. I hate it. I hate schmoozing with people. I'm just not, I'm not that person. I'm not like, as much as I am an extrovert and I enjoy people, I hate making small talk and schmoozing and, you know, we have a great, great theater community here in Raleigh. I mean, really, really wonderful. But I am not the good schmoozing person. I wish I could hire my own marketing manager to do that for me because I don't like to do it pretty good at Facebook but you know I'm one of those old people that's like you know that I I hear everybody joke now that you know Facebook is just for the old people but I'm pretty good I mean I think I did more marketing on misery on Facebook than the theater did so
0: (laughs) well I'm gonna ask you for your social media handle and I'm gonna link that in my podcast so people can find you we can do that yeah
1: I'm just on Facebook and Instagram that's all I do I don't do Twitter I don't do I don't know I never even downloaded TikTok I figured it would have some virus in it or something so I never even did it (laughs) (laughs)
0: <laughs> yeah, TikTok's also not really my thing. But as you said, you need social media and, like, in general, networking, especially in the film industry. That's the experience I've made. So I think theater is pretty similar. Mm-hmm. And the last question mm-hmm. if there was one thing you could tell your younger self, what would it be?
1: You are in competition with no one but yourself. So just be true to yourself, be honest and authentic.
0: Thank you. That are very, very great closing words. Thank you so much for being here today. I really appreciate it. Thank you for having me. And I love talking to you. (laughs) Thank you. It was fun. Thank you. It was, yeah. (laughs) Thank you guys for listening. I loved having Sandy here, and I really hope you felt the same way. She's an amazing, talented actress, and I can't wait to see her again on stage. Follow her on Facebook and Instagram to stay up to date and see what's new. I am going to link her Instagram and Facebook handle in the description of this episode. And as always, if you have any questions, recommendations, and constructive criticism, feel free to reach out on Instagram on becky__schdn or underscore. But for now, have a great rest of your week, greetings from the other side of the ocean, and I will talk to you in the next episode. Bye bye